This episode of The Real Roundtable, three grown men talk about babysitting, specifically adventures in babysitting, a movie that is an odd choice for Brody and myself to enjoy. But this episode, we find out if Chris will love it as well. Welcome to The Real Roundtable. Chris, roll tape. The Real Roundtable. I'm Ergo the Magnificent. I could turn you into shredded meat in about uh, three seconds with this baby if I wanted to. We're locked into the moon's gravitational pull. What do we do? We die. I don't kill men without good reason. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! We're pumped to have you join us tonight on the uh, Real Roundtable. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about Adventures in Babysitting. Honestly, probably the movie I have seen more than any other movie in my life. You watched it that much? I have seen this movie at least probably 10 to 12 times. Me and my sister love this. Was it work training? Growing up. I don't know if I've seen any movie 10 times. We would watch any. it all the time. I think we had a copy of it. So we'd, you know, we'd throw it in every once in a while. And so it probably was, I don't know, at least maybe every uh quarter you know every three months we were watching this because we just love watching this movie and me and my sister we could bond we would we, we'd laugh about it i told her when i was talking about the podcast uh i was like i was telling her that we would probably talk about this movie and uh, she laughed i go do you remember that and she's like oh yeah i'd love it and so she said she had just showed it to her son uh, i guess in the last couple of weeks she had actually let him watch it and said he loved it as well so my son has watched this with me uh, it was a joy actually bringing it to him so anyway we brought this one up because me and brody had both seen this before Brody had fond memories. I don't think Brody had seen this and and lately. I'm kind of interested in seeing what he says. Not in decades. Decades. (laughs) (laughs) So Brody and I have both seen it. Of course, as usual, Chris has not seen it. So let me go ahead and welcome everybody. Of course, you just heard Brody. Also, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hey, hey. And so very interested in hearing what Chris has to say about this film. Uh, We do not talk to each other about the films. Once we pick the film, we kind of walk on eggshells around the film when we're around each other and everything. So it's very interesting. And I know I'm very curious on what... They're going to say, and I'll, I'm going to give predictions once we get close on what I think Chris is going to say as we go through it. But I think Chris probably would have ever. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give it my prediction. No, I'd, I'd tell you what. T- write it on the back of this paper. Okay. I You're think, going to give his. I, I think this is what he's going to give it. This I'm is a game show so, now. Right? Yeah, this, <laughs> you guys cannot see, but we'll tell you how close we got. <laughs> there, so whether we, we Okay. So, so we have we have an idea. So anyway, I just want to start really quickly. Let's just talk about a little bit about the film, who it is. Now, this is Chris Columbus's first movie that he directs. Okay, he had written Gremlins and he had written something else, but this is his first movie. And you see, he works well with kids. He's going to end up doing Home Alone, two of the Harry Potter movies, and so he he's a big name. He's huge. I mean, Chris Columbus is one of the biggest names in Hollywood. I had no idea who he was. You didn't. Know. <laughs> I just know the Nina, the Pinta, uh, the Santa, Santa Maria. Maria. <laughs> 
So, I mean, he's a very big name. A couple of the, I guess a couple of the actors talked about he was really a pleasant to work with. He made sure to get the right cast. He was able to have fun with them. I heard one of the actors actually said that he never talked down to him. It didn't matter how old they were. He, he was, he was very, very comfortable with them enough to treat them like professionals. And so I think that was a very, very cool thing. The other thing is there's a, a writer named David Simpkins. I know nothing about him except for he's in the movie. And so he's one of the guys in the frat house. He's actually got a part in the movie, just a quick part. I guess it's like more of a cameo. There's a lot of cameos in here, like parents of the actors and actresses are, are in the party. And so there's a lot of cameos and everything. So it's one kind of, of the, neat how it was a more of a family jumped into this. So. One of the producers also produced Halloween. I can't remember her name. Really? Yeah. Well, that's very interesting because I didn't realize that either. And so, and one of the things we one were talking about. producers? Is a uh, last. Is it, uh, it's like, it's like Dana or. Deborah. De- Deborah. Deborah Hill. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So Deborah Hill. And Escape from L.A. Yeah, Deborah Hill produced Escape from L.A. and uh, Halloween as well. It looks like a few other horror movies. The the Fog. So I guess she's a horror fan. And And Halloween played a cameo in the movie. Did you see that? I I read that. I I saw it. See it. I didn't see it in real time, but I did see it in reviews afterward. Is it in the front of the movie or at the end? I thought it was going to be at the end. No, it's in the front when they're it's playing on the television. Okay, in the house when she arrives to babysit in the background. I'd read it and and so I was watching for it, but I missed it in the front. I I was I thought it was at the end because I know they're around the TV at the end. And yeah, I didn't see it live, but I've seen clips of it. Actors and actresses in this, of course. Elizabeth Hughes in this. She is, I mean, everybody knows who she is. She had, I think one of her first big things was Karate Kid. She's a girlfriend in Karate Kid. I didn't recognize her at first, but I definitely, right. once I was pointed out, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely Let's her. Let's talk about her for just a second, because I, I want to go back to Karate Kid. I, I think this movie does a good job as well. And I, I'm not saying we have to do all characters right now, but one of the things when it comes to a babysitter is she's believable as a babysitter, okay? And even in Karate Kid, I... I was sitting there. She looks like a girl that you would go to school with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean she's pretty. You know, a lot of times they, they get these models to be in these movies and it's like, that's eh, unbelievable. You know what I mean? I felt like she was portrayed to be older than she was in the movie. Like you find out she's 17. Oh, I'm going to go into that in detail. Okay. <laughs> don't don't worry. But I, I felt like she was definitely built up to be older than that. But when you find out he's 15, she's 17, you're like, okay, you guys really made that a bigger deal than it was. Well, and in well, real the problem life, is her boyfriend is uh, 28. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> her, her, the guy that plays her boyfriend in this is 28 when he played that role, which is he's a senior in high school. Well, okay. she was 24. He yeah, he was, he was supposed to be a senior in high school, and he's 28 in real life. When he did. And you can tell he looks he looks How, 28. She was 24 in real life. Okay, I that was going to be. Was she 24 or 22? So, but I don't know. Not it doesn't 17. matter. She, yeah, well, clearly there's <laughs> there's going to be some jump. I get it. I think she could pull that off to a degree, but not a 28 year old guy that. Let's see. Like, yeah. It looked like his hair was receding a little bit. Right? You know <laughs> what I mean? I think she's way more believable than he is. That's all I'm saying. I think I he, agree with that. Okay, so he I definitely looked like especially, a middle aged dude. Yes. Yeah. I was like, hey, I mean, especially because they used the ginormous shoulder pads <laughs> so that she looked smaller right right in essence so anyway but so you've got her there's a girl named maya bruton who plays the the girl being babysat sarah anderson you she got, did a great job yeah she's really good you got keith coogan who is the king of uh babysitting movies he's in two babysitting movies which i'm pretty sure there's only three ever been made <laughs> what is it called death of a babysitter he's or? in uh don't tell mom the babysitter died. that's it that's, that's his other dead. one i couldn't remember yeah is it don't tell mom the babysitter's dead yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so he's in that one, which came out like four years later. He Haven't plays the that. same age kid in that one. So, <laughs> so even yeah. 
So I think he's like 16 in that one. But you know, the little sister was the only one I think to win anything off this movie. She, she won, won something. She won a uh, like a young actress award or well, she was the she, killer. I mean, like she, she was she the best. Good. Yeah, she did. She out of the group for sure. So she had she sort of won hearts in that one. I think she did a good job. Yeah, she uh, look. I, I don't think there's a bad performance in this movie. And it, a lot of these careers went somewhere. Well, it, and some know, of them were already on the way up. But. Yeah, Elizabeth, she was already on the ro- way up. And Anthony Rapp, I, I'm guessing this was probably one of the first things he ever did when he played Daryl. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's still got a huge career right now. I mean, I don't think he's ever been the big star of anything, but he's always a side actor. Really good comedic timing. Yes, yeah, so he's terrific in this. Yeah. yeah, and then the guy that plays Dawson. Uh, and I cannot say Vincent's last name, D'Onofrio, but I mean, it, it's pretty neat. I, I sent you guys a, I sent them a picture and it was a picture of two different characters. One of them is Thor in this movie, who's is Dawson, who owns the garage. And then also I sent him a picture of Vincent in full metal jacket where he plays a uh, pile pile. Mm-hmm. And, and those movies both came out at the same time and he could not look more different. Yeah. Than how he does in that. Well, in his range, he's done so much different oh, stuff. Yes. Sling Blade and and some law. Well, if you're current right now, he's the uh, the kingpin in the uh, Daredevil, Daredevil TV series. Which and, I, and I haven't didn't seen that end? Isn't it? Over? It's over. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if that's probably the most current. He is in a lot. Yes. Yeah. Like a yeah. lot of stuff. He's a very recognizable character. If you see him. Yes. At the younger age, it's harder to recognize who he is in this <laughs> He's movie. a lot skinnier in yeah. the, the and, and the hair really threw me off. The blonde, yes. blonde hair yes. really threw me off. But, yeah, in his later years, if you see him, you'll know exactly who he is. He puts on 300 pounds and gets a good career going. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes that's exactly it. You Especially know. if you saw uh, but he the put remake on a, of uh, Magnificent Seven. So he's in that, too. So. But he did. He put on a lot of weight for Full Metal Jacket. He did. In a very short period yeah, of time. Yeah, he's one of those. I think he's he seems to be a method actor that jumps in. Uh, two other people, real quick. Uh, Penelope Ann Miller, she had a pretty big uh, career. She becomes a... Uh, Kind of a star. She's very pretty. I don't know what movie she was in, but she was. She did a couple of things. She became kind of big. I, th- I don't know if she's doing stuff now. They and definitely then, hid her beauty in this movie. They did. They did. And <laughs> then, uh, and then George Newbern. and uh, George Newbern plays Dan, and so he, uh, he, I think he was in Followed the Bride. I think that was his big thing, and so yeah. So all, a lot of these remind people, me really quick who Dan is. Dan's the uh, the good guy. He's the the one that she kisses at the end. Oh, the uh, jeep so, driving yeah, guy. So, so real quick, let's let's give you a, a synopsis of the whole movie and everything. We just want to talk about the characters, but I guess we probably need to jump into today's story. Uh, the main character is Chris. Her name's Chris Parker. She is set up. The movie starts with just playing a song. It plays uh, Crystal's "Then He Kissed Me." And she dances and sings, and she's excited because she's going to go on the best date she's ever had. She gets to go to this awesome restaurant. She's looking forward to it. All the credits roll, and then her boyfriend shows up. Her boyfriend cancels the date, and so now she gets asked to go babysit that night. It's an emergency situation. She's going to go babysit, and she doesn't want to do it, but she ends up going over there. Well, some things happen. Her best friend ends up running away and getting stuck at a bus station. And so her best friend calls her. She has no money. She needs uh, Chris to come pick her up. Chris is now with three different kids. There's a little bit more to it, but she's with three kids. And the only way to go down there, she's got to take the kids with her. They basically blackmail her to take them with her. Into the city. Into the city. And they're in the suburbs. And so they're really nervous about this. They go down there. And basically anything that can go wrong, it starts off with a flat tire. uh, And then they end up getting chased by villains. They get shot at. <laughs> they get shot at. I mean, you can think of anything. It's basically from yeah. one dangerous situation to another as they try to get out, yeah. trying to get back to their car, get the car fixed, get Brenda, and then get home. And so that's kind of the synopsis without going too much. I don't want to go all the way because I feel like yeah. as you hear us talk about it, you'll hear more stuff. But 
And the parents are in the city as well when they went. Yeah. So their parents are there. They don't want anybody to know what they're doing. But there's a lot of things that happen. It all takes place in Chicago. And there's a very heavy blues theme here. Yeah. Uh, And so basically most of the songs are going to have a blues feel to them. But it's really just a part. I think it's kind of part of the movie is is that music, the way they play the music and everything. It was a bit eclectic in the music. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So so when it first started, I was like, oh, 80s pop. Because, you know, the intro song. The intro's not 80s. That's 60s. I don't even know what it was, but I, <laughs> I didn't know, <laughs> but I, I knew it was old, old enough that I didn't like it. <laughs> Did you like it? Okay. I'm going to say something on that. Just as Chris brings that up. I think that song, I don't think Chris Columbus could have picked a better song for this movie and for what the whole thing, the, the song tells you the whole story, what the, it doesn't tell you the whole story, but it tells you the story, what the movie is about. Oh, I didn't even know that. And so if you lyrics. put it, yeah. And so you didn't see, so you didn't listen to the lyrics. No, I did not. Uh, this is probably because I've heard that lyrics like every time I've watched the I movie. I didn't know so. this song, and I didn't like this song, but so but the it, mo- but that's yeah, and and probably you didn't like it. And this is where I think Chris probably had his first problem was it started out with I thought I thought for sure that you would be upset with the lip syncing as she's dancing around singing for that first three minutes as they do the opening credits. <laughs> Am I wrong? Or it was pretty poor, but like it wasn't that bad. Okay. Like it, it didn't upset me. So, but anyways, I'm they- learning to. <laughs> I'm learning to have more grace. Oh, this is good. I don't need you to have too much grace or we'll, have, we'll be okay. Anyway. Yeah, well, then we'll, we won't have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, there'll be no podcast and stuff. So I wondered if he would be upset about that. But uh, but no, it, it does. Uh, if you know what the Crystal song is, you're listening, you can go, you can stop the podcast and go listen real quick. But it says, then he kissed me. And it's all about a girl that wants to date this guy. She's going to kiss him. And then it turns out she's going to end up married. So that's her fantasy. That's her dream. And, and, and what she wants to do is she wants to go kiss Mike at, at this fancy restaurant and have a chance to kiss him. And then everything goes, goes wrong. Yeah. Every, nothing goes the way she thinks it's supposed to go. But when it's all said and done, everything goes the way it really should go. If that makes sense. And so it, it's, it's pretty neat and everything, but uh, tell me some things about it. Like uh, opening up. I just want to kind of hear what, what you thought is that opening I thought the opening seemed really corny to me, but once the movie got going, it was pretty good. Like as far as the, the pace, the comedy, I'm not really big on eighties comedy, you know? So it's, it's a little tough for me to laugh along with it because it's tailored for the teens, right? It's sort of a teen yeah, who comedy. Is this tailor, who is this tailored for? Who's this movie for? That's what I was yeah. wondering as I was watching this. Go ahead. It's definitely tailored for him. Once you remember that and you stop trying to experience it like a older guy, like I am, I just, you know, you, you can enjoy it when you put yourself in that place. I think. What about you, Brody? Oh, the, the movie's clearly made for preteens. You know, the ones coming up, hormones getting crazy. Which there's some comments made in this movie that kind of confuses me because I think there's there's some scenes on the cutting floor that where do that, where do you feel like is lacking some? Again, it's one of the movies where they tried to be action, but then they also tried to be slapstick. I mean, like I love the scene where they go into the blues club and do the song, but at the same time, it doesn't fit in the movie right there. Yeah, it's not you know. I mean, I guess they had to find some kind of way for them to get away from everybody, but it doesn't fit into the movie movie slow, smoothly. I know that the movie's not trying to be uber realistic, but when they do come out on stage, I found myself going, yeah, but you, it, when you're running for your life from people, you don't stop because and just freeze on stage because like 
people are looking at you like you continue running for your exactly. life. You keep running, you know, but again, it is a movie and it, it is a, it's a comedy, a comedy. It's a right. pure comedy. I know y'all so saying I'm not giving it that fault. No, I said it, it, it's acting like it's trying to be action because they did. They put sequences in there that were supposed to give some adrenaline and some like the chase scenes. Are you kidding me? Okay. So they run into this bar well, they run from the chop shop, which apparently yeah. is next door to the bar, which apparently just has guys <laughs> hitting a TIG on a table for no reason. <laughs> they were doing, if you notice, they're grinding what? and welding on nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pay attention. Oh, like, and, they, and they don't pause for the car when it drives by. No. They don't just like wait. They just keep <laughs> spraying sparks over the top of the car. But that, that, I laughed a, at that. They only had that one entrance into that garage, right? It so was, he barely makes it in there. And then they got 75 cars. I'm like, how did they turn around? I'm like, how do they get everything back out of there? My thing is they've got a guy holding a welding helmet in front of his face instead of wearing it and <laughs> yeah. taking his MIG and just just hitting the table let's, randomly. Let, let's set the scene. So they, they jumped in a car to get away from two guys. And it turns out that car was being stolen. And so they were in an active auto theft. <laughs> and riding around with a car thief and he drove them into the chop shop, which was one of my problems with this movie, by the way, he gets in trouble for bringing them. He never had to bring them. Like you just stopped. Yeah. And like, their no, whole I, theory for I, why he didn't drop them off on the side of the road was Chicago's so dangerous. I got some business. So I'm going to take you to the criminals. <laughs> I'm going to take you. I'm going to get you in another car and then I'll get you somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So there was definitely a, a, a hole there. And I think there was also, I wanted to go, backwards in the story to the beginning and talk about a hole there. And maybe it wasn't a hole. It was like you said, there was something maybe left on the cutting room floor, but there was an underdeveloped part of the story that really mattered to me. I'm intrigued. It was Brenda. There is not enough information about why Brenda is, is not at, like, why is she running away from home? Cause she's insane. She ran away from home. That's all you need I, to know. No, that is not enough for me. <laughs> I, I, Brenda is there at her house. And then all of a sudden Brenda is at the bus station and it's like, nothing happened says, in between. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you need to give context as to why Brenda left. She talks, one scene. I she like the end. Something. The end. They're like, Brenda go home, but I don't want it. You need to. Okay. And then Brenda's in the whole movie. <laughs> this whole movie is around the fact that Brenda is running away and we have no clue about Brenda's background or story. I hate that I don't know the name of it, but Brenda is basically that character, that thing that you're always going after. It doesn't matter about it. It just, does that make sense? And so it, it like, if, if, if it's a treasure hunt, maybe you're trying to get that treasure, but the treasure is just that well, there's a, there's a term for it. I don't remember what the term is, but there's a term for that. And so the whole movie just follows that. I get it. The journey is more yeah, important. And I, yeah. The, the journey is the thing. Yeah. And so I get it. that's, and so, yes. And she does talk a little bit about that when she's talking to Chris at the front about the problems at home, but you're right. It's barely in there. They just need enough to get her off to get in trouble. And then they make this insane thing. Cause usually in most movies, you wouldn't see anything about her and they would just go pick her up at the end. That would have been over. Okay. Right. Or other things. Okay. Here's the treasure. Okay. Let's go home or whatever it was be. And they made her character the funniest part of this movie. Like every scene that she's in, to me, is hilarious. Now, Chris, you might think differently because you're watching, but I, I remember as a kid loving it. And as I was watching it again, I found myself laughing at every scene. Her com her comedic time was terrific. All the stuff that happens down at that bus station. Yeah. And, and and I want to say this: if you're watching this, this is really cool. Just think about this though. Whereas there are good moments for Chris and the crew as they run around. 
Brenda never has any of those. Hers is a nightmare the whole time she's at that. So the, <laughs> the, the six hours that this is going on, she is just in torment of all the craziness going. And just, she ends up trying to get a hot dog and she tries to write over a check to them. And uh, they were like, we don't take checks. She loses her glasses. She loses her glasses get stolen. <laughs> yeah, her glasses get There's, stolen. Uh, she gets thrown out of a bust, a uh, little uh, phone booth. The guy yeah. calls it his house. Yeah. So, and, and we can't make it as funny as you watching it. But the best yeah. part is there's also this guy that just stands there and has a gun. Keeps flashing his shows gun, this at gun at her. And like, and he why? just stands. But it's, she, that's it's, how you know this is a full comedy because at the end where she just starts running around, she gets her glasses back, everybody's chasing her. And it shows everybody that she had dealt with yeah. in that bus station just to, to make you laugh and everything. So, again, pure comedy. It's a great character. I, it, it, without her, I mean, she is phenomenal. I mean, she owns this and makes it. And, and it, it, it really builds it up. And they didn't have to do any of that. And I thought that was a really smart move on that. Matter of fact, one part is the uh, – I'm pretty sure the check part about the hot dog. They added that after the movie because the producers were like, you got to add more scenes with Brenda. Brenda's mm-hmm. really good. So they went down and made another – Scene with Brenda. Oh, we're trying to get a hot dog for a check and just made the guy scream, No check, no wiener. (laughs) (laughs) You got no money, I got no wiener. I really wish we could play that that scene (laughs) on here or let y'all hear it because it is is pretty funny. Oh, man. Well, there were several holes. You know, she kept referring to him as kids, but there was nothing on age anyway. And he looked old enough that babysitter you know like you were kind of giving that yeah yeah you're kind of giving that impression like yeah you're a little older than i watched this with my wife and we had this discussion while the movie was going on we were like what where's he can babysit the girl (laughs) yeah why can't brad babysit brad can babysit the girl but brad's brad's choices and friends is uh (laughs) is daryl so so maybe brad doesn't make great decisions all the time the only time i've got a feeling that only time that brad is very at that level where he's very responsible is when he's around Chris. Like that's when he wants to be the most responsible because he does want to talk to Chris and everything. So like you feel that they inserted extra scenes of Brenda. I feel like they deleted scenes with Daryl. I mean, they're, they're literally, they're in the car. Remember? Yeah. And he starts making fun of, Chris's boyfriend's car. Oh, you know, the tags is so cool. And she said, what does she say? What are you a gearhead? And yeah, and, sex and fiend. a sex fiend. I'm like, where does that come from? <laughs> she doesn't know Daryl. Well, no, no, he had already made a comment when she's on the thing. If you guys give me any trouble, I will kill you, beat you, destroy. She says all those things, and what does he say? I have no idea. I don't remember. He says, "Write me." Oh yes, yes. So he would already yeah. made that comment, and look, this is. A, I think this is kind of important to this is the fact that clearly at that age the, the, the guys can say kind of stuff like that okay and so he probably was that he was very perverted and, and things right. and so she saw that right off she's a teenage girl who knows teenage boys right so she's probably seen that so i wasn't totally surprised when he yeah. when she says that because that she knew that he was sex man because he said that but she's surprised that he was a gearhead he's clearly not i mean he doesn't right yeah, yeah. matter of fact his character I, I was thinking of the arcs of these these four main characters okay they're very four main two of them have no arc at all like uh, Daryl is the exact same person from the beginning of this movie till the very end. There's yeah. no, there's no change at all. Nothing a little, happens. I think, when he's terrified. There's a little. I think he simmers down, and and his outward demeanor diminishes a bit. Well, and then I mean, he, it comes right back. But I mean, in relation to everybody else, he he cowered more. You know, he's a front. very extrovert. 
And that went away fast when he got scared. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but that's more so than the other characters. But I'll say, yeah, but he's like that until the end, until the very end when he right. punches, not punches, kicks uh, Mike. And so he kicks Mike and everything. But yeah, yeah he's got his character doesn't jump much. Uh, of course, the girl, she doesn't jump. Sarah doesn't really grow. But I feel like the real story and everybody, and look, the story's about Chris. It's Adventures of Babysitting, that's it. But I think right there beside it is, I think it's Brad as well. Brad's character is powerful as well because his is about loss. You know, he's in love with her. He's going to figure, teach her, you know, show her. He stands up for her all the time. Yeah, he keeps trying and trying. He does. This movie is uh, about teasing Brad. This is a tease (laughs) movie. 100 percent t she definitely has the power <laughs> she does but you think about it too brad's right and you know brad knows that she that uh mike's wrong for but at the end he also looks and he's like that's that guy's worthy of her that guy's worthy of her and he steps away you know and i think that's cool because it's a, it's kind of depressing <laughs> I, I right i don't think that's what he did you don't think he steps away no, I think he went. I can't compete. He went, he accepted defeat. That's the this man. random guy just gave her forty five dollars in a ride. I mean, I can't give her anything. I'm yeah. getting babysat. <laughs> it's fifteen. A, it's an older college age dude driving a jeep, giving her money, and he's like, "Yep, I'm out." Yeah, man, I mean, you'll see it totally different me because I see it like this. She's worthy, and I want the best for her. No, now I can see where you. Where you could pick that up. Because when he shuts the curtain. It just didn't occur to me. Okay. Because no, he that, still looks sad. He doesn't look like, okay. Well, and look. Yeah, that she finally made the right decision Well, you for can her. be no, sad. It, you can grieve. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he wishes he had her, it. you know, but he realized. And I don't think. That he, he had no chance. I'm not saying he was happy. I didn't say that. I'm not saying he was happy. <laughs> but he, shut he has the window. respect for. Darryl. He has respect for uh, Dan. Okay. He has respect for Dan. He's, you know, and if he's got to lose to somebody, that's the person. To at least it's not the yeah. creep. It's not the creep. And, and that's, you know, he can, he can at least find comfort in that. I half wish it was the tow truck driver. Friend, so. Do what? I half wish it was the tow truck driver. <laughs> I love the tow <laughs> that truck guy driver. likes to party. I do not. <laughs> that is a great character to me. <laughs> oh, his was laugh. Over the top. His man. laugh was way too much. You didn't much like it? Me. I love oh, it the laugh. It was so forced. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was the most forced. There's so many JP characters. JP or P. John. Big John. Yeah. Handsome so, John Pruitt. John Handsome Pruitt. <laughs> but his laugh and also the kids' laughs. Well, they were scared to death. At the so. beginning yes. were really like over-the-top mm. comedic laughs. And then things settled down. But anyway. Well, I, let's think talk, they, yeah, I think they were having a good time making this. Go ahead. Let's talk about the setting. Mm-hmm. Chicago. Like, the, the suburbs in the Chicago. Okay. It's mostly all filmed at night. Right. Yeah. Except for the very beginning of the movie. And of course, it, and it's in the suburbs. They make sure that they get the exit signs that just literally says like West Suburbs. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, it was it, filmed in uh, the suburbs part was filmed in Toronto, right? Not at not around Chicago. But the issue I have, and it's not—I guess it's not really an issue. I'd say, but what really stuck out was the fact that you have so such a distinct line between the suburbs and the city. And it was all very stereotypical. Mom and dad doing good. They got some money. They're going to a, a big corporate party on the 700th floor. And you go. Judging by that house, they definitely had money. They had money. And then I mean, you go. Maybe not like millionaire money, but like good money. Yeah, they're probably right there at least, Yeah, they were doing well. And then they drive into the city because, the you know, they get in the car that's getting stolen. And they drive through the city and the guy's like, oh, I wouldn't even stop in this part of town. <laughs> yeah. What? Like, it's 
it's over the top. The city is full of. Well, he wasn't saying all, the whole city. He was saying that one part and everything, which is funny because that's I think that's the place he stole the car from, right? I mean, he, they'd say that they have that conversation within a minute of him leaving. So, shouldn't you still be in the same area? I mean, you're they really do play up the sort of danger, like like you shouldn't get out of your car. And yeah. I get some of it because, but it is a babysitting kid, other people's kids and having them I, out in the city. They're trying to put that danger in there, but right, right, they right. overdid it. Like the city has nothing to offer, but their dad's building a soul club, and that gang wars, <laughs> and <laughs> gang, <laughs> the worst gang war ever. Okay. Let's, let's, let's pause forward. for just a second. We're going to pause on the gang. Let's pause on the gang for just okay. a second. Let's, let's wait till we get to the train for a second. Let's jump back just on this for a second. Okay. I'm already on the train. <laughs> where are we going back to? No, I just want I want to stop right here where we're at. We're talking about this setting and everything. And yeah. I think part of it, again, was they want to really show the fear that that Chris and them, that, that kids have about going in the city, okay? And so I'm not saying that they were 100% right in doing this, but I think that was, they were wanting to show, okay, these kids have such a, a fear that it's just about insane, and so we're going to drive that and make it look like that. Because initially the they wanted is. to go. They wanted to go in the city. They wanted to jump in the car, but... Yeah, they wanted to go with Chris and hang out with Chris. Right. They didn't realize what the city was, yeah. and I think that was Which, kind of... That's, I don't know a lot about bus stations. I've not been to many, but that does seem like that would be one of the worst places to go and everything. I don't know. Maybe you I mean, this is a sort of coming of age story. Yeah, it is. And so encountering the danger and chaos of the world and, is usually part of that. And well, Chicago of, in the 80s. Well, <laughs> think about this for you guys and everything. When was the first time you were in a city by yourself or with a, you know, that you weren't with your parents? Is there not a difference for you when you're all of a sudden into a bigger city that you've never been before? You know, and, and there's a difference between driving through a city and then going downtown, you know, walking around. Because there's also a cities. difference between the cities around us and Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so... So yeah, I'm not. I'm not. But they had to add. I this mean, is not bad. I don't. I'm not trying to disagree. I am saying I can see some of where we're. I see the other side of this, and I don't think. It, again, this didn't take me out of suspension disbelief. It was just like, ah, eh, it's over the top. But I don't. I don't mind this and everything. I. I do think that the reaction they have to uh, the guy with the uh, hook hand uh, <laughs> was was pretty over the top. I thought that was pretty funny because well, no, he was it, a nice guy. Yeah, He's but they excited. had also just told a, a yeah. scary story but come on what is the likelihood yeah, too yeah. Uh, too much too cheesy it's a comedy good yeah. gosh <laughs> it's a comedy it, it was a poorly set up connection yes yeah i think they could have told something because it was just randomly then, telling the story it, it wasn't very and what was natural. his reaction when they all get scared he just laughed at him you must not be from the city oh, yeah let's make sure you knew Maybe. yeah they clearly did. Okay. Then he said, "He said his hand is in the glove box." <laughs> I liked it was that it? part. I no. was waiting to see it in I the jar. I was like, "Oh, please be in the." Glove did you box. see their eyes when they're like, "It's a gun," and they're like, "Oh no!" And they close their eyes again. And you're like, <laughs> I love about, Hollywood. I love Hollywood slowly, so much because they're so yeah. unused. He slowly to, moves the gun yeah. past their face, which no I was a little bit nervous the with the way he's holding that with his hook hand. Like I was like. With a regular hand, you're like I didn't know. I didn't know. Maybe hook hands are oh trigger control, buddy. You know what I mean? I was a little bit nervous. Again, Hollywood makes me laugh at the way that they're so scared of how guns are. Like they just go off, or I can't believe I've seen a gun, and that was one of the the the, the funnies. But I have talked to somebody that been, has been to Chicago, and uh, and he he told me that some of it's kind of like that. I mean, they really can't believe. Oh my gosh, you got to you, you have a concealed uh, concealed carry oh, gun. And, yeah, really, what's that? You know, and they're like, what's that like? And you're like. And I walk around and I see people 
with their guns holstered all the time, you know, right. as I see it's a gun right there. now <laughs> on the podcast. So, so, I mean, yeah, so where we're at, I mean, it's not, unco- it's not uncommon to see guns anywhere. So yeah, just the way they're, they're insane on some things. Okay. So this is a good point in the movie. There's a part where they end up jumping and getting onto the train. They're being chased by bad guys. Well, you skipped where he, I love he, what he does next. He floors it like a hundred miles an hour with their car being towed behind him. And runs up into the yard of his of his own house, I guess, right? Yeah, well, wherever his wife is. Yeah, I, I thought it was his house, they, but anyway. I think they his said that's his was, house. That's his house. His wife is with some dude. Because what's his name had said? Uh, the, uh, oh, that car's Dawson parked out in front of your house. Parked yeah. in front of your house. I really thought that dude was dead. Yeah, so many gunshots. <laughs> Before he comes crawling out. Now, let this be a lesson to all of you. If you own a gun, learn to shoot it. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and he fires it constantly when his wife just pulls it. Like, that's when he, yeah, he doesn't stop or anything like that. He just fires it. And then one of the bullets goes through his own, uh, his own truck, through the window. That's when the kids and, and Chris jump out. And then one goes into uh, Chris's mom's car. And so that kind of. Which I want, by the way. So then they need car? to get the window. Yes. I mean, I think it's a staple in every 80s movie that there'd be a Woody wagon uh-huh. in it. Uh-huh. But I think that one even had the gunner seat in the back. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had a bullet shot at me before, but I feel like I'd be a little bit nervous. Like, I don't know if they show the fear. And maybe they just don't. Maybe that's part of the movies. They, they don't have time to really think about the fear they should have. Because the bullet would have scared me, you know. The car thief, I don't know if that, that would probably say, I don't know if that scared me uh, at that age. But I tell you what would have been the scariest thing to me was is walking on that up in the ceiling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, the man, that was the rafters. They're walking, they walk in rafters in this. And I was like, ah, that'd have been it for me. I've been like, I'm just staying here. <laughs> that would scare out. me now. <laughs> yeah, I'll really, take my chances <laughs> with the mafia. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we've got tons of things that we want to talk about that are a little bit crazy. And one of them is the train. And we, and, we're, we're so often, so if you're watching it, you'll see it all, but don't try to connect it through our podcast. I think that's going to mess you up. But there's a train. We're doing better than we normally yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we are still not in fairly, any kind of order. Yeah, there's not order. It's fairly linear. Okay. <laughs> so, so on the train, they get on the train and they're just trying to chill. And so they've got a break for just a second. They've, they've outran the bad guys. They, they jump on a train and they're just sitting there. And what happens, but. They sit in the very middle of this car, and all of a sudden the door opens on one side, and in comes gang number one. Black jackets. Who looked like they were watching Michael Jackson videos on how to dress. They were. And then they're right there, and then the other gang comes in from the other side. I love that gang. They're wearing reds. Yeah. They're red and black. (laughs) What? So it's supposed to be these tough gang people, and and, and Chris and Brody will, will attest to this. Is is you're watching? They really don't, except for like the gang leaders of each one. I don't think the rest of the gang look really tough. They look like complete act. I mean, they're actors, but they yeah. all look like actors trying to be tough. I really so. thought they were going to break out in a musical. <laughs> I really yeah. did. I thought it was going to be like the the musical fight on stage. Oh, uh, you said it before me. <laughs> oh man, I was I was waiting for one of them to start snapping his fingers off to the side. <laughs> Just that that beat it choreography it exactly like the start to a michael jackson yeah it looked insane and then they they have a couple of comments to make sure you know there's a street once they pass a certain street they're going to start fighting they can't start fighting because they they're listing them all one street. <laughs> like, like it won't be once we get past bellevue i remember seeing this as a kid this is look i didn't see a lot of problems when i was a kid but the problem i had i was like well, why are they on that train? Like, why is that one gang on that train? If that's their train, what are you doing on it? You know, aren't you, shouldn't you got fought in the, right in the, when you jumped on? Like, why didn't they stop? Like, I couldn't understand. And then I was like, so you're, 
you're on you're a gang that rides in a train and you go through all these territories you don't think that's a bad idea <laughs> you know so both of those things just made yeah. no sense to me and, and also stuff. it's a train why are you trying to defend it <laughs> yeah like just go back to your area most people try <laughs> the to train's avoid just it. gonna pass yeah. through yeah it was just weird. But they're literally like, okay, right now it's our turf. Well, not once we get past Bellevue. <laughs> <laughs> what? So they're caught in the middle. Chris and her crew are all caught in the middle. And they are approaching each other. And then so they almost get ready to, to battle. And then Chris jumps up. Chris jumps up and, and makes a comment. Hey, let me just get through it. And uh, here's where some, about half the cuss words in this movie come in. <laughs> yes. Okay? Both the F words are used come in right here. And so that happens. And so she's just she trying to get out of there. She gets called names a lot. She gets called names, told to sit down. And one of the funniest lines is uh, Daryl looks over at Brad and they're both sitting there. And Daryl's like, you're going to let him talk to her like that? Just cu- joking with Brad. That is my favorite line. And Brad jumps up ready to defend her, you know, even though there's both gangs are now mad at him. <laughs> and he stands up and just, and, he, and it's really, and look, you can hate him. You can think it's dumb, but it's really neat that even though. Even though it looks like he's going to get beat senseless, he still defends her, you know, and she sees this. <laughs> and Daryl says, I was just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl's pretty upset that he was yeah. listening. Yeah. This is where, um, it's really cool. There's a cool scene in this. He gets, uh, they, they throw a knife into his foot, tell them to shut up. And but then they feel what does that. he call them? Scum sucker? Yes. Yeah, is it big scum city? Su- big city scum sucker? It was something stupid that, yeah. And oh, and something else. They're using all this vulgar language. And no, he's, there was yeah, he's he, the kid, right? I just thought he was using terminology, but he was not going to cuss, like because I don't remember right. him ever cussing. He, he, I don't think that. he did. And so, but then that's when what do they say? They don't blank. They say, this is where they use the f word. So if you're watching this yeah, with your kids, yeah. this is why well, I wouldn't recommend this for kids, just because they use yeah. the f word twice. Or just realize if you get to this scene, the fast forward through the train scene. I watched it on Disney Plus. You watch the new one? <laughs> no, I watched. Oh, it's on Disney. It's on Disney Plus. What? And I watched it on Disney Plus, but they I bought it. I didn't realize it was on Disney. They Plus. don't have the profanity in it. Oh, that's no good. Watch way. it on Disney Plus. Yeah. So unless you're boycotting Disney you can, right now, so yeah. There you go. Uh, so they actually dub over, and it, it's obvious they're not saying yeah, that, and right. it's like you fool or something. <laughs> you know, it's obvious, but. Well, anyway, one of the cool things they do also is they, they throw a knife into the, uh, Brad's foot. And so, but when they filmed that, they filmed the knife in his foot and then they use string to pull it up. And they said if you pause and slow it down, you can see that the hole's already there when the knife goes in. So I thought, really? I thought that was pretty neat. I, I, I didn't go back and, you know, do that, but I, I thought that was pretty neat that you can go back. I learned that actually from the guy that played it, Keith Coogan, was talking about it on some podcast. And I thought, oh, that's pretty, pretty interesting. Mm. So anyway, so that's what happens. That's the two uh, f bombs. We'll jump out to keep talking about that. Anything else more insane about the the guys? I know that they let them go by. No, um, and then they carry them. Who knows how long? They, I mean, I was like, they're still to, being chased at this point. They're being chased, but they're all but they carry. Brad. Well, they've already been through the chop shop, right? Because they're being chased. I'm, but I'm saying that, that they're being carried right now. Uh, the Brad's being carried. By oh, the other three. Yeah, the subway exit is right in front of a hospital. Yeah, again, is that I, I really wanted to know that too. Is the, the is there a subway exit right in front of the in, in know, hospital, right? which know. is also right beside a frat house? Like, I mean, yeah. I was like, are they all together? Although, did you notice it's called the University Hospital, so oh. there would be a university close by. Okay, okay. so well, okay. at least it's fairly plausible. Okay, that makes sense. And so, anyway, so that, that those things happen. That's a very interesting scene. Is that's the only time they really have a breather. Well, there's two breathers. There's uh, where's the other breather? The other breather is when they're out on the the, the docks. 
Is that one right the up to docks? the docks? I don't know where they're at. That's they're on they're the edge of the river? Yes. Where they're walking. Oh, well, I would consider a breather would be at the restaurant, maybe. Well, that, I don't know if I call that a breather, but yeah, because they get separated that to that one. I don't know if I consider that fully a breather because of what's going on. I just anyway. mean when they're walking around and they meet that girl, then they realize, oh, we got to go get Brenda. There's that scene that's kind of a they, <laughs> the, street, the street, yeah, the girl. street girl, yeah. Which that's the choreographer for this movie. Oh, is it really? It, it really is, and she's married. We're like you're going to play a prostitute. Play a prostitute. I love that they're like you're seventeen. Yeah, she was not. She was 28. I looked it up. She like, was, Chris is obviously not 17. Yeah. And she's looking at this other lady. Like, They're both not 17. One's 28, one's 22. So they left the subway. They went to the hospital, which that doctor, by the way, he's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah the doctor's the doctor, right. He the doctor's a, high. That is a great line. That's a good point. I think he's definitely high. He's definitely high. <laughs> oh, dear. What does he say? Oh, dear, like five times? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious and everything. So you got this one character. He's really, really funny. And, of course... And, and this is another problem with the movie that I don't know. As a grown adult, if I had a, a stitch in me, I think I could get that out. Like, I, I think I could get wire and pull that out. I wouldn't think too much. I'm not saying I should do it. I think you, you know, but I talked to some nurses over history. I think you can do that. I know nurses will just do that. What does a 15 year old do? Because he's got the stitch at the end of this movie and that's going to have to be taken out in a week. Is the parents not going to notice that? Oh, Are they not right. going to be able to figure that out? They hey, don't bathe them you? anymore, I don't think. At 15, I think it's... Yeah, but how's he going to get the stitch out? That's all I'm saying. Like, is he going to be able to... Is he smart enough to think, you know, yeah. without getting caught? Like, that seems like that's an easy way to get caught is having a stitch in your foot around your family. And they also gave a dude one stitch without any kind of personal information. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, yeah, to we'll, a just minor. Start, we'll start working on you right now, little guy. To a minor and a stab wound. So there's no authorities called <laughs> for the stab wound. Yeah. There's no parental consent yeah. needed yeah. for the stitch. There's the 17 year old brought in the 15 year old and we stitched him up. You guys got it wrong. Remember that's that, that hospital's right beside the train station. They're used to those train station guys getting off there well, after their fights. Apparently, that's where gang fights Yeah, gang so. fights were always happening over there, so they're used to that. They're, so anyway, yeah, they don't get any information. They escape. They, they end run up out meet, of the hospital. They end up meeting the two guys that were in the fight, Big John and uh, the, the guy having the fair. And so they're back in it for just a second. And then he kind of tells them, that, hey, your car's back at Dawson's. You're going to have to pay him for the tire. So originally, he had told him he would take care of paying for the tire. But now he had had to spend that to fix the uh, windshield. And so he's like, hey, you're going to have to, when you get to Dawson, you're going to have to pay the $50. And this is kind of part of the movie is that he, she's got to get the money to be able to fix the tire, to get the tire on when she meets Dawson. Did we hit the blues area? Already? We have not hit that. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, that's a huge part of this. Uh, I mean, in the movie, does it happen before? Oh, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because that happens right after Chop Shop. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's Chop Shop right. blues. And then they do the the walking scene. That's it. That's which the, bothered yeah. me anyway, because... The blues scene was supposed to help them get away. So they that, got away. Yeah. And then the other guys were held up at the blues club. And then they're walking on the river. How did the bad guys show if if it was that close to the blues club where they were walking, why were they walking? And they were pretty chill. Yeah. I mean, they were like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, this, they're calm as Yeah, we're that. three miles from the club. They'll never find us. <laughs> then here comes the sedan, you know. It's like, are you serious? Oh. So the club. They, so mm. Wait, which one? Oh, so you want to jump back to the club? Okay, so okay. I mean, I think That's we should talk bad. more about this. This was my favorite scene. Really? Yeah. Well, then you talk about the club. Tell us about the club. What happens? To well, the club? you guys highlighted it a little bit earlier already. They're running from the guys, the chop shop guys, and they run in through the back side of this club, and they end up on stage. There was a blues band on stage playing, and they just sort of 
barged right into their performance. Somehow on stage. Right on stage yeah, they in don't front of everybody. Yeah. And the club was full of people. His name is Albert Collins. He's an actual blues artist. So they, he says nobody, what does he say? Nobody leaves here without singing the blues. Nobody leaves here without singing the blues. And so Chris gets roped into singing. The only way she could leave the stage was to sing blues. Well, I think an important part of that too is the atmosphere. I mean, when they run onto that stage, everybody is happy until they run onto that stage. And they're definitely, I'm and, pretty sure, the only white people in the whole Yes, place. that's a, yes. And, and it's like they're intruding on, yeah, on yeah. their time, that this is what we enjoy. And all of a sudden you just, and not just to come into the club, you run into the stage. And so that is one of the most hostile crowds in a movie I've ever seen. Like they look. They don't look curious at all yeah. why you're there. They yeah, only look like, unhappy. Why are you ruining this? And why are you on Albert's stage? This is his stage. And so, but go ahead. So he invites them or invites Chris to start her blue song demands she starts very tentatively and not doing very well but she gets into the tempo and the lyrics it becomes more choreographed as time goes on and the song she's singing is about their experience of babysitting of the night you know it's sort of the story of the night it's a recap it's yeah. a recap from it's an that exact. point from the front of the movie till right there yeah. it's a recap and everything i have no idea if elizabeth shoe can sing like i really don't and she does a good job of not being great singer on there matter of fact so does keith coogan brad both of them don't sound like they do a good job of not being able to sing but i like them playing back up right there yes. and they do so good and and what's her the girl mia maya yeah uh, maya the little girl miss bruton <laughs> the one with the Thor helmet. Yeah, it's Sarah. She is really cute, you know, in the in the whole thing. And they're picking each other up and singing back up and repeating the blues lyrics. And uh, it, it was it was cute. It was really funny. It's a very well done scene. Apparently, the guy that uh, Albert Collins and I, I saw him talking about this. I think, I, again, this is another thing I saw Keith Cook and talking about on a, another podcast or no, a, a YouTube video. And he was saying that uh, Albert had never done lip syncing. So he'd never done any kind of lip syncing. And so this was a total new world to him because usually he just sings the lyrics that he wants to sing. And so he had to remember what he had sang bef- the day before to be able to, but you can't, I, I don't think you can tell it. I didn't even notice it until I read the, or heard about this later. And so I, I, I didn't notice it at all. That's what I'm saying. I never noticed. I think that he did a great job. And so, but uh, he, 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 I think there's something there too, as I like his character because the audience is hostile and he was a bridge builder. He, he shows love to them. He knows that he can notice something real quickly that, that something's bothering them. And but he can't leave the stage to help them. Not not in that way. I mean, suspension disbelief. Maybe he could, but he uses his powers. Yes, that to do two things. Yeah, to to keep them safe on right. stage, um, and then to stop the pursuers from continuing on. Right, and he makes them feel like. They belong. There's a scene in that. I'll oh, never yeah. forget this. There's a girl that's she's standing up against a, uh, a pillar in the audience. And I remember as a kid seeing this. I remember, you know, and I just remember how mad she looks like she's got her arms crossed and she is upset. And uh, and they come back to her and they come back to the whole audience. So you see all of them. But I just specifically remember her when all of a sudden her mouth just smirks up. And then she just starts smiling. And then they just keep showing her over and over. And I, as I talk to you guys, you're all smiling as well because we love that scene. We love that, that, that Chris and the group won them over because I could see that, yes, 
both groups might come from different backgrounds, some in the city, some in the suburbs, but we all have problems, right? Yeah, and it also, I was going to say it shows an oasis in the danger-ridden city, yeah. but I, I really, I want to not say it that way. I would say it shows that not all of the city is dirty and dangerous, that there is a a community. I mean, they're human and they treat each other humanely. Yeah. There are dangers there, but it's still full of the whole gamut of humans, which I I, I do want to just make sure this is clear. We're not saying the city's dangerous. (laughs) Chris Columbus's vision of this movie. The city is dangerous. That's what, now whatever you read in all of the papers everywhere around the country about Chicago may be different (laughs) is what we're saying. We aren't saying anything about yeah. Chicago. But they definitely, they played it up a lot. I mean, they even like brought, trucked in garbage to fill the alleys mm. with, you know, and had guards there to make sure that people didn't come by and actually clean it up because they would clean it up. And so <laughs> that's interesting. they had yeah. to force the city to, to make sure that it stayed dirty while they filmed it. I wonder if they would still have that problem now. I don't know. I don't know. Haven't been there. I don't I would just say that with that vision, and I think that's what was really cool is bringing them together and letting them see that it's until that point, everything had been dangerous, right? This is the first place that they didn't feel danger at all. And so in the movie, and so it's not, but maybe the fourth scene, the only thing I would say is it would have been neat if they would have went back after the movie, just to have them recap the whole yeah. movie in a song like that. They could do it as a credits oh, or something right. like that. Yeah. That would have been neat. So something. Especially with him. He's a great blues player. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted like to know more about because he was phenomenal and everything like that. Which also so, brings us to the soundtrack. Okay. Since we're here on the music, let's, let's talk about, I love the music of this movie. I mean, I just love it. I love how everything's put together. I bought Edwin Starr after when I, when I got old enough, I was like, I gotta have 25 miles. I mean, there's a song they play called 25 miles. It, it it's, it's in this, but all these songs go in there so well they wanted to make sure you had that feel and that's the feel of this movie the movie is about bad stuff happening you know all your blues and so that's what it's about and everything but at the end is 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 there's going to be victory and so the next thing is really is the frat house and so but i liked how they exit that though if you notice like everybody in there gets into the music yeah and they walk walk them out basically they make a path for the for for chris and the kids and walk them through the club yeah. and out and then block the other guy. Right. Although, by the way, I mean, he said to them, you were asking about them being behind and they're not like in a rush to get away. And I think that they should have had more pep in their step, but they do definitely, you know, he says to the bad guy, he says, nobody leaves without singing, singing, the, singing blues. the blues. And so it was their turn. Like yeah. he's now trapped and they're being chased and okay this is probably the other second thing about the movie is they had stolen a daryl is a bad daryl is is kind of a bad character and so he had taken a playboy and they never show the playboy like uh, they never and and it's made up the whole thing it's it's just made up but playboy is mentioned quite a bit in this movie yes playboy is is way more than more than I would feel comfortable, you know. Yeah, it's, it's I didn't know like, they had billboards. Yeah. Did you know that Playboy had billboards? <laughs> yeah, the, they place advertisements on the, all the streets. And so, and the, so the theme in this is the character Chris has a doppelganger, who uh, Miss March was Miss March in Playboy, and so Brad is shown that by Daryl. Daryl brings this magazine that he has to show Brad. Say, hey, this girl looks like Chris, and. 
Brad ends up throwing it away because he gets scared that Chris is going to see it. So he throws it out a window. It's gone. So when they're captured and they're in the uh, in the bag out uh, chop, chop shop, Brad sees another one of those, but it's got writing on it, and it turns out that writing's pretty important. It's got the orders for Detroit and all over the country, <laughs> which is stupid. I'm okay. This is a dumb thing. Okay. Yeah. It is. But all the uh, apparently they they put all their notes. The mafia men keep their records on the, on the pages of Miss March. Yeah, on Playboy magazine, and so that so they have that, and so uh, Daryl sees it, steals it when they escape because he's got to get it back to his dad. He's got to get one copy back to his dad, or he's gonna get in trouble. And so that's what sets the other three bad guys, the three bad guys, Joe, the car thief, who's not terrible, and then the two other villains. Who the older villain, the white guy villain, he uh, I don't do y'all recognize him? He was actually he looked a little familiar. He he was he's been in a ton of movies and everything, but his most famous role probably was in. The uh, Clint Eastwood. God, what is the most famous? I haven't seen it. He's in a Clint Eastwood Western where Clint Eastwood looks at him. And he's And that guy's a bounty hunter. And uh, he says, I'm looking for you or something like that. But it was one uh, of those things. And so anyway. He, wait, it, are we? Are you saying you have never seen Clint Eastwood movies at all? No, I saw when he was the old man. Oh. Um, Which old man? He's been, uh, yeah, he's he's been, old, man he's been old for 30 years. Uh, Gran Torino. Gran Torino. I yeah, saw Gran okay, Torino. That's, that's a good movie. Uh, okay. Once. This was Outlaw Josie Wales. Okay, this is the one I'm thinking about. Yeah, I have that. heard of that. It's phenomenal. It's really good. That's what I, I really like it. So anyway, this that's the guy who plays the bad guy. I think he's terrific. He looks mad at all times. It's pretty funny when him and the other guy get caught and they got to sing the blues. <laughs> they do not show <laughs> that. Don't. We don't know how they escape. I kind of wish they did. Though. I really I wish they, they had like, okay, I'm going to need some water. <laughs> you know, give me three minutes. I'm, I've got this raspy voice that I've been trying to use all day. I don't think, yeah, I don't think the, the big boss could sing. Like, I, I don't think he was going to be a singer. Wow. So we end up later at the frat house. And yeah, when they leave the hospital, they end up at the frat house. Why do they stop? They stop because well, Daryl or no, uh, the sister had reasons. to use the, the sister has to use the restroom. Yep. But again, Daryl always gets. Think about it. Daryl's always getting him in trouble, and so here, and he said, "Ooh, a party!" And party. he goes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> runs into the party. He just leaves everyone. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to this frat party." Yes, out of nowhere, he runs into the party, um, and so he starts hanging out with overaged girl well first he starts off hanging out with a bunch of guys and they clearly make fun of him and they can tell he's a, a, a well because he tries to chug popcorn while they're chugging beer <laughs> i didn't get that at all like what was yeah <laughs> and he has a little bell ringing and he's got this bell that he rings and this starts ringing popcorn yeah it's kind of dumb but here's the, the first thing where we meet dan yeah, come on dumb. ash this right. it's very dumb but, yeah, it's extremely dumb but here's where they meet they meet dan meet uh, finally somebody that's really good uh Two of the guys run up to her and ask her if she's Miss March. So, again, the Playboy thing jumps out again. And so she uh, – and this was where Dan comes in. Here's the hero of the movie, right? I mean, he's the, the heroic guy. He comes up, and he makes fun of those guys. And so, he, clearly, he's interested in her. He thinks, you know, he's got kind of cheesy lines for her, but he's Way a nice cheesy. guy. And they still need money. Yeah. And so, they go to dance. For the – And remember, what's the song? Or for the tire. At the very front. And then he kissed me. And then, so they talk about that. So she had this vision that he would dance. And then, so here's the dance. She all of a sudden, she gets the dance. It's not the guy that she thought. So she dances with him. And then he asks her if there's anything he can help her with. And so she says the money. <laughs> yeah. Typically. <laughs> yeah. She says the money. And he says, well, all I got is 20. Hold on. I'll be right back. And then he gives it to her and says, well, let me go ahead and give you a ride too. Cause you're not getting out of my sight with my $45. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. Okay. You think so, that he just did this to get a date? 
So the wife. Well, he definitely did it to get a date. Yes. The wife, without missing a beat, goes, nobody I know is to give $45. I expect something. <laughs> <laughs> and she's the sweetest person I've ever met. She's like, that guy's following her. I promise you he's going to show up. <laughs> but he is the good guy. He is a good guy. I'm, right. He's well, the good no, guy. I'm not, I'm not just, talking to you. I think, yes. The, the approach was, I mean, they just met a hooker, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was so close to just meeting the, <laughs> the hooker that was the same age as them, or as the same age as Chris, and then they portray her in that in a similar stance. I think. I don't think so. She just needed help. She's trying to get the kids back. He had knew that she had the kids. He had said that. He had looked said, "Who brings kids and everything like that?" And he she knows knew, she's in distress. She knew that he was interested. And wanted a way in, so she asked for money. She she let it. She used it to her advantage. You think, oh, I think she, for the first time that night she met somebody nice. And uh, and here's again, I don't think she was even wanting the money for good. She would have paid him back. She would have, you know. Okay, well, let's let's go back. Okay, so because he's he's not pristine in any way. Because I don't know, and I found out it wasn't the fight scene on the train. It's it's actually at the frat house that okay. the word that I had not heard came up as an insult, and it came from your boy, and he said, "Shut up, you're a big dumb bohunk." Oh yeah, yeah. Who said that? So to um, oh Dan. Dan. Dan now somebody that. else said it also. It, Daryl was making out with that uh, my older boy. Chick. What does that mean? <laughs> your boy. Come on now, Mike. <laughs> No, so, the heroic character to me in this whole movie is Brad. Brad's the heroic character to me. Yeah. Yes. And a bohunk, which I had to look it up. Well, it wasn't Dan. He, he says, you've been replaced, out. you big dumb bohunk. And then Dan goes, oh, yeah, and repeats her words. Yes. So it's an immigrant from Central or Southeastern Europe, especially a laborer, a rough or uncivilized person. Oh, it's a racial slur. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, <sighs> what is it? And I looked at the wife. What is that? She goes, I've never heard that. I was like, I don't either. That sounds pretty toned down for a, it's a pretty, attack. It hey, seems yeah. pretty toned down. I, just, I thought it was pretty innocuous. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. So Yeah, but yeah. So he. They, what do you have against Europe? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in particular. Well, did he even know? He just said it. Yeah. And then yeah. he gets him out of there. He I was like, what are you doing? He knew it was so, insane as well because I mean she was basically drunk as she screams that and stuff. So drinking is also in this movie a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. yes. So they leave the frat party and then they end up. And this is a, another probably a easy scene as they basically have a ride. They play "Paint It Black" by uh, Rolling Stones, which is a cool song. Uh, they play that through this part. Um, no, they play "Give Me Shelter." Yeah. So now they've got their car. They go into the. Um, well, he takes them to the Dawson's garage. He takes them to Dawson's, to Dawson's garage, garage, which is under. It's what is inside it? Inside like, the Chicago tunnels? Yeah. That, yes. That's the People most. People have businesses inside the tunnels? Yeah, I really like, I want to go there now just I to like see that. I like their lighting, that true? though. Yeah, that was really the, cool. the, So is that the underground that everybody talks about? There's the underground Atlanta. I didn't know there was underground. I thought right. they were going down like an under underground freeway, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they Which, were that has to be the, the worst garage. garage to work because there's no light ever, except or for fresh air, yeah, fresh air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know why Dawson needed the money. He wanted to move out of there. He wanted to go somewhere better. So, so Dawson's garage. They they show up. Uh, Mike is also. What time is it that they show up? It's like ten o'clock. It's I, pretty late. Who's who's got their garage open at ten p.m.? Thor does. <laughs> I, small business owners. 
Like, <laughs> what was he fixing with that hammer? <laughs> okay. Point. Yeah, he, he shows up. Oh, I guess we need to say. Uh, yeah, what was Sarah's it? Was he on a, a lift? He was on a lift. How much steam where comes was, out of a lift? Zero. But was what, he just standing yeah, up on a lift? Yeah, lift. There's nothing. With he's a up sledge. There. It's a mechanic's body shop. <laughs> he has got a sledgehammer so that he plays the whole part of yeah. Thor. But he comes down and all this silly. steam and everything holding this big sledgehammer. It's like, what are you what are you fixing on a car? Where did all the steam come from? Sledge? Well, and he didn't. There wasn't. He wasn't under anything, right? I mean, no, he went, yeah, that's what I'm just, saying. Yeah, maybe he, he just, lives up there. Maybe that's why. You know, maybe that's why his, <laughs> his, his, his house is up there. <laughs> house is up there. That's where the fresh air. My is. shop's in the basement. I live up here. <laughs> so we didn't say this, but Sarah Anderson has a fixation on Thor. She wants to be Thor. She loves Thor. She loves all things Marvel, uh, but Thor especially. The character of Dawson looks like. Thor. Golden haired buff. Yeah. Comes and, uh, in with a hammer. The only thing he doesn't have is barely has a shirt on. Yes. Yeah. So they, when they meet Dawson here, the first thing she says to him, uh, because Brad's like, look, they're not going to give it. He's not going to give it to this because they give $45. They don't have 50. He doesn't have the five. He's like, I'm not giving you the car. But before that, she like immediately. She runs like, up to him. It runs up to him and does some like oath of fealty yeah. or something. She she kneels on the floor in, yes. in reverence and says some kind of pledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brody Schrott says some kind of pledge. And so Brad's like, it's not Thor. And so she said, don't listen to him. He he called you a homo. <laughs> and so she she basically says that to a grown man. So he's looking down and and you don't really see Brad look totally afraid in this movie ever until this moment like <laughs> he realizes with this guy with a hammer can kill him in a second like the guys with the guns the thugs that are after him none of those matter but this guy this is the one that's he'll crazy. get killed over a misunderstanding yeah misunderstanding <laughs> and so yeah so this is really where the only time sarah actually does something beneficial to the movie like character her character actually helps is uh she gives her helmet to him and says i know what you're not able to do these things I'm not, i know why you're not acting like yourself i know why you're not acting like thor and trying to help people and have compassion because yeah. you don't you have your, your special helmet. You need your helmet. And then She's she totally gives her convinced. helmet. Yeah. And so it's a really cool scene. You know, it's this thing. And, and, and this guy who is who is a hardened in the city again, who's, you know, he's been around this city of Chris Columbus's the whole time. So apparently lives underground. It doesn't trust anybody. He's out for himself. He says that. Lives on a lift. Yeah. <laughs> lives on the lift. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, you see the the armor come off in his heart, and he starts warming up, and he and he lets her keep it. I thought it was neat here, though. He doesn't give him back the forty five dollars. Like he's <laughs> he's still gonna keep, you know. And I didn't think that was bad, but uh, I thought that was neat. He gives him he gives him the keys, and and the helmet says go on. So now they're basically good. All they yep, got to do they is, got the car back. All they got to do is pick up Brenda. Yep, get and Brenda and done. get home. Now wait a minute. One last thing that I really liked about the scene at Dawson's, besides the absurdity of it was the fact that the little girl does give the helmet and he's like, oh, here. And, and then tosses it back and says, I got one at home. That was great. Yeah. Oh, you know? I missed that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. Says that, yeah. he knows her beliefs matter. So he sees, and it was like he forgotten how childhood is. And he, how did I miss that? Yeah. It's a really cool See, to me. I mean, it was, That's it was a good point, almost right? nothing. That makes but sense. That, Cause I, I she has her helmet yeah. later and I didn't even. Yeah. So he, he literally tosses it back and like, affirms her suspicions by saying, yeah, I got one. I, oh, yeah. I got one at the house. So, that makes, you know, better. at the top of this lift, me and my helmet, <laughs> you know? So I think that's excellent. I think that whole scene is great. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good, it was a good line. It was a good, good. Well, to get some faith more in humanity, they, they've seen another good thing. So there's more. And it wasn't needed. And I that's like true. it. Yeah. That's why I say it's completely unnecessary to the storyline, but I liked that Which, they put honestly, that in there. 
Well, I think, I think he's the best actor in this movie. Like, I think they're all great actors. So they leave Dawson's, and then they end up where after that? They leave. Well, Dawson's. they're driving, and then they. This is where they make the, the one of the few mistakes. They should go go pick up. Like, I don't understand why they don't get pick up Brenda right then. They know Brenda's in trouble. They've been, you know. Well, they spot the car. But they spot the car. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so I guess well, they, spot, they spot the it, restaurant first. It throws first. a wrench in the yeah. The restaurant first. So I guess first. that makes sense. So they, they don't they don't just drive and they just see that. And which again, how I thought Chicago was kind of big. It just seems weird that that <laughs> right up past Dawson's. If you go yeah. past that just a little bit, there's that restaurant. That's know? right. So, he so, was supposed anyway. to take me to that restaurant. Yeah. So, so they spot uh, what's his name? They spot Mike's, Mike's car, which is a Camaro, which says "so cool," and uh, which. And I don't want to reiterate everything. Oh, I've been calling. Wait, is that Dan? No, Dan's Mike. George Newbern. That's the good guy. That's, oh, that's man. The, I called Dan Mike earlier. Oh, no. Mike's Mike. the, earlier in the podcast. And Mike I is Bradley Whitford, Mike. who's done tons of stuff, but he always plays that conniving guy. Like, that's his role and everything like that. Um, like Billy done, Madison. Yeah, Billy Madison. He's that's where guy. I recognized him yeah. from. When yeah. I saw him, I was like, that's the Billy Madison. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But he usually plays. So he was in the West Wing. He was a main character. Yeah, he usually plays like a shady Kind of character though, or yeah, the West or, Wing. He doesn't. He plays a really, really good guy. But all the uh, I, I haven't watched West Wing. But. So, but yeah, usually that's his character is jerk, 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 and he's great at that because he's so condescending and yeah. You know, so he so can make himself pretty unlikable. So this is where he enters again. They go into the restaurant. Uh, all four of them go, but to to move the movie along, the young the uh, Sarah. Uh, wants to go to a toy store, so they kind of just throw that out there to get her to the toy store. So down that, there's not a there's a huge toy store. She sneaks away. At. She sneaks away. The other three go to confront Mike, and uh, which leads to probably one of the coolest moments of uh, of Brad. Right? I mean, this is yeah. a really st- strong moment of Brad because Brad um, again stands up for Chris and uh, gets in gets in Mike's face, and this is a ninth grader jumping in a senior's face who knows that his best friend's been beat up by this guy. So he knows he probably will lose, and it doesn't matter. He's still tough enough. He's like, I don't care. I, you, this is what you've done to her. You've been this. It's just a real heart moment. And like, and so Chris hears everything. She hears how much this guy likes her. I mean, she, there's no doubt. I like how Daryl backs him up in this scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Daryl does so a good, good job. And so yeah, I'm not even going to lower myself to your level. I don't mind doing it. <laughs> and, then, and then drop kicks him. Over yeah, the drop table. kicks him, throws him over a table, and everything. Hey, uh, wait, let's just guys for a moment. When you were a senior in high school, did you go to a restaurant like that on a date? Uh-uh. uh-uh. What about prom? Like prom? Did you not go to a nice restaurant yeah, prom? Yeah, yeah. I went to a nicer one, but that was a nice restaurant. Yeah, it was like upscale French restaurant. Yeah, that, yeah. we're talking, yeah, yeah. It would, like I couldn't afford it. I wouldn't even go down. Like my Burger King money was not going to get yeah, me Yeah, but again, for what, they're from the suburbs. Their oh, families yeah. have a ton of money. He was probably the rich kid. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm not talking rich kids. You can be rich and be awesome and everything, but in this... In this, this this character is clearly a jerk, and so, and again, and, oh, I don't want to attack anybody's looks, but Chris is so much better looking than the girl <laughs> he was going out with, and so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they made her well. Well, one they, was remember he said that her her knees are glued together. Yeah. <laughs> Chris's <laughs> knees, yeah, yeah, and and, and she laughed. Yeah, and she laughed. It, yeah, yeah, she laughed at his joke or the well, his date. Chris says something about her. She says that he she was she's like a floozy yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. she's just so mad that if he cheated on her, then he cheated on and her. And so that's the thing is like he was going to go for what he could get. Yes, that's exactly yeah. it. He was a complete jerk in so many. He was a life. short game kind of kind of guy. So they get out of there. They realize that the me Sarah or Sarah, which leads us a part of the insanity is is she runs to her parents' building. Well, she's Manager. being chased. They get she gets spotted, right? And so then the bad guys are from the chop shop are chasing her, 
And she runs toward the the skyscraper because she knows that's where her mom and dad are, right? And I'm assuming yeah. she's running like as the crow flies because she doesn't know the city. <laughs> she gets there that's super of, fast. That's <laughs> one of my hardest things of suspension disbelief was the fact that when she looks at that building, I asked it's my wife, I was like, away. that's got to be half a mile away. You know, yeah. my wife was like, that's so far. There's, you know, and, it, so and, there it, she is. and it's one scene and she's boom. She's, she's in the building. Door. She's, you know, and she's out running these three guys who have a car who are chasing her. And she's, you know, so it was just, little, it, that was, and a that's super, another thing. Okay. It's, it's almost like the, the, the modern cop type shows or detective shows, whatever, they always find the bad guy from a block away. They're like, stop police. Yeah. And the guy runs and there's no way you're catching that dude. They do the same thing to this little girl. Hey girl, come here. Yeah. I didn't understand why they didn't sneak up on her. Well, yeah. Yeah. She didn't see you. Just, Just get her go face on the glass looking at all yes. these tools yeah. and you're like, hey little girl, come here. Well, and then, so they end up running the building. The other three figure out that she's gone. So they run to the building as well. And this is another funny scene though, is basically they go up to 42 and who's, who's up there? The parents. The parents. Okay. Right. So the party. The parents of the party and everything, which apparently a lot of the actors, their real parents were a part of that to be filmed. And so they, they get to do that. But yeah, so I think this is a good scene. I think this scene works. I don't know what y'all think, but I think this scene works because it's so over the top. Again, I'm looking at this as a pure comedy. How do you make people laugh? And I think they do a good job, especially having the bad guy at the party. Yeah. And having the parents of Brad and Sarah talking to him. I get everything can't be realistic, but like while he's talking, he's getting his feet tied up. And he doesn't notice. And it. he has no idea that the girl that he's. It's very much a wily coyote. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty wild, but. It, and it gets worse when the sister's. Yep. Sarah's on the outside of the window. Oh, she climbs out the window. Yeah, she goes to the 44th, I guess yeah. as She's it turns on 44th, out. Goes out the side. And climbs. She finds it's under construction. So they've got 44th floor, you know perfectly is under construction so she's trying to hide from the bad guys chasing her and the, i don't remember seeing them seeing her grab the rope she let go of the rope no no to get, to out, get out the window they oh, show the window the with no rope she had the rope up there because it was so she, she yeah but it, it just so then she climbs down the rope on the side of the skyscraper so she's outside in the wind on this angled roof dangling on a rope to get away from a bad guy who tries to pull her up yeah on the rope which would make sense so she lets go of the rope so she's out there dangling on the side of this building and then the bad guy goes well i'll just go down and get her so then he throws the rope back out and climbs down and she starts you know strafing to the right and gets uh gets, I, starts making her way around the building i thought you were going to go with the fact that she's on the windows so and the party's going on and so all the people are inside and nobody sees her uh, in movies, that's one of the hardest things for me because in mm -hmm. our room, if I all of a sudden, if there was movement anywhere in this room, I would notice it. Right. Like I would notice it right off. And in that, nobody notices the person on the outside of the window, right. even though there's at least, what, 45 people, 50 oh, yeah. people in well, the room. Except for, except for the bad guy. Yeah. And the, and Chris. Right. Yes. The, the two people. Yes, that's it. In the story. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that, that's a hard one for me. And I think they could, could have done a better way to do that. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know what, how they would have done it. But anyway, so then they, they go to get her. Um, the one guy is stuck outside. They're able to get yeah. Sarah back up. They're about to leave. Everything's good. And then they, and well, it's Joe, Joe Gipp, that character. Yeah. So Joe is a really good character. I mean, he's very, very interesting. This is the end of him. He basically finally does what's right. And he stands up. Um, knocks the dude out. Knocks him out. We don't see what happens to them. They probably don't even get arrested. And give him the magazine. 
and gives them the magazine. So they're, well, this is important that, because nope, now they, they can let him go. And I'm not Which they didn't know the magazine was why they were being chased. Yeah, they had no idea. That was, you know. Right. So. He told the, Joe told them. Yeah. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, hey, this would be enough. And, and so <clears throat> this is basically nearly the end of the movie. Okay. So now all they got to do is they got to pick up Brenda. They go pick up Brenda. They drive crazy. We see a few other things and then try really, to beat the parents home. Just trying to beat the parents home. And so that, there's all those things. Those are, those are worth watching. I think uh, it's really, really frantic. There's a couple of funny scenes with even with the parents comments they make, but it really gets to the end. All of them end up talking and just really talking about how great a night it is. Here we see finally the end of both. We see the end of one arc and that's, that's basically Brad's arc. Uh, the other ones just had a good time. I don't think they're very different from the front. What we talked about, we, you know, but Brad realizes that they'll be friends. I mean, that's okay. He when Dan shows up, well, he says that to her. He says, "If I oh. see you again, I know, I, you know, I, oh, if you yeah. don't speak to me at school." And she says that she says, "I, I don't. I always speak to friends or something. Yeah, like I, don't I don't ignore, ignore friends. friends. I don't ignore friends. Yeah, that's right." And so, so he knows that she's going to be a friend. I mean, he's he's clearly understood that. He knows that no matter what, this was a dream, and uh, of his, it, it's been broken over this whole night, you know. But he's also gained a friend through this. Right. Does that make sense? So I don't think it's a, I think it's a very cool for character for him. And so the last thing we, we see him turning the shades, that's the last thing we see him. And, and he's realizing that she's about to kiss this guy. Cause also Dan shows up at the end. He's Creepily, got, by the way, he, he just shows sk- up with a skate. It's like two o'clock in the morning. He was trying to catch her before she left because he knew she didn't live there, but the address was on there. You didn't think you were going to get away with my $45, (laughs) did you? (laughs) Well, that was weird that she thinks it's about the $45. And uh, and so which shows you you had said that she knew what she was doing, but really it sounded like she really did think, you know, she didn't realize that he was totally interested in Mm -hmm. her yet until this moment. Um, and so, but the, at the, again, at the very front, uh, the crystals, then he kissed me like, and so, this arc the whole time has been taking her. What she originally thought she wanted was this guy who was totally wrong for her through adventures, all this fun that she had with this, this crazy night that shouldn't have never happened. She ends up meeting the guy of her dreams. Okay. And I don't know if they end up getting married, but I think that's what was kind of implied. Right. And, and that this, this is the guy they're right for, for her. Each other. You know, this, the, everything in the world came together to bring this insane night to bring her to this. So, with that being said, that can we kind of wrap up the movie? But I, and usually I don't want, always want to tell the ending, but the ending goes exactly with the very first. So if you watch the movie, the very first scene through the opening credits, it'll tell you what's going to end up happening over the whole movie, which I think is neat. I think it was a great way for Chris Columbus to do this, and you're not thinking about that when you're watching it. Um, so with that being said, I have my ideas on what uh, Chris is going to write it. But tonight I'm going to start with I'll, I'm going to go last tonight. Okay. And, uh, but I'm going to start with Brody because Brody had seen this before and liked it. And so I want to hear what he has to say now. So let's see what, what are your ratings there? You said it was decades ago, right? It was decades ago. And I, and I liked it then. And I, I really did. And I realize now that it's, it would still hold for that age group. Being that I pick apart movies now, I had a lot of problems with this. Is there was parts of it that were very forced to go together. Like the writers really had to go, how are we going to get them to here? You know, or why did we have her on this side of the building outside just to come back in the same window? How uh, it was pretty forced, but it wasn't bad. I'd probably give it. I'd probably give it a six. You know, it's, it's not bad. It's, it should have been 
more acclaimed at the time, I think. We didn't talk about that much, by the way. No, we I didn't. think Interspace made it, more than it, right? Didn't it Interspace was fairly uh, cheap to make. I think it was only like yeah. seven million dollars or something. It made its money back, and it made like thirty. So, um, yeah. but but it wasn't a total smash. But again, eighty seven's only second to eighty four in yeah. years for movies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a tough year. Um, but I still would have thought because most of the other movies seem to be geared towards adults that this one might have had. A better I'm, chance, but look at who's in this movie though. Back then, that's true. Nobody, I mean, Elizabeth Shue, the Karate Kid girl wife. I don't know what else she did. I mean, before they changed studios, this script changed studios. It was, uh, they wanted Molly Ringwald. Ugh, that would not be good. Okay, so, so six on that. Okay, fair enough. Chris, so I, I enjoyed this movie. Um, I really didn't know what to make, but I didn't watch the previews. I didn't know anything except the title and we just hit play. And I guess I'm, I'm getting a little bit, this is personally, maybe not to do with the movie, but maybe to do with me, uh, burnout on maybe eighties coming of age movies. (laughs) (laughs) What Uh, age were they coming to exactly? It was kind of like, uh, you know, as soon as I saw her dancing and singing around the room and I was like, uh, here comes, right. I, I was totally afraid there's going to be way more music in this movie. Like I like, it was a musical coming at me you know? and, and thankfully it yeah. flattened out and, and then just became a comedy. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I did get to watch it with my wife and it wasn't really amazing. Knock you down movie. Okay. But it was good, and I would recommend that people watch it. That's good. So I liked the music, except for the first song. I just don't like that song. But I liked the rest of the music. It was, um, I won't say innocuous, but um, it worked well. And sometimes music, when you don't notice it, is even better because it just plays into the the scene, you know. And I really liked the blues um, aspect of the movie. And the grittiness and the grunginess that they played up, but I think that it fell flat sometimes because they'd be in this alley and all all of it would really seem real and dirty and back 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 alley Chicago, right? And then they would get on the subway, and then it was like a Michael Jackson music video, and the the transition between the two was just so wacky to me. But uh, yeah, overall, I would watch the movie again, and I would probably. I would probably give it a five. Oh, you just wrote a number. You did, No, I wrote the number. We need to talk about what you're doing right now anyway. I wrote, uh, this is five that you just wrote, but I told Brody at the front of the show the, that I, this is what I predict you'll give us. And everything. Gotcha. And I thought so, you like wrote a sentence earlier. No, no, no. Okay, I you just, just wrote a number. I just wrote a number and everything. So I predicted that Chris would give it a five. Yes, you predicted everything. I would give so it a five. And the yeah. sheet has a five written on it. Yes. So. I, I felt like this was better. And no, I'm not. I know that we're not weighing all movies against all movies. Uh, but you know, in my head, this was better than three o'clock high and it was better done, better acting. I, I would watch this movie again. And oh, so wow. that's probably as far as I would go with it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I watched it again. That's, that's... It will be a long time before I watch okay. it. No, no, no. I will probably watch it 
I usually don't watch a movie once, but once a year, if I'm going to watch a movie that I really love and everything like that, but I, I would watch it definitely probably next year and everything. So, okay. So as a kid, and I was, I've been trying to think and everything, cause I don't, I don't think of as, as when this movie came out, I was 10. I don't think as a 10 year old, I was like, Oh, I got to watch a babysitting movie. Okay. That's not the case and everything. So I'm about 99% sure that my sister was the one that recommended this. And I just happened to watch it with her. Like, oh, I guess I'll watch this movie. <laughs> And loved it. Like, I loved this as a kid. I just thought it was awesome. And then I saw it later as a kid. I'm over. I've told you all this multiple times. And so it probably been about, I don't know, probably six years since I've seen it the last seven years. And so I still liked it then. But I've not done it like this where I analyzed it. And I saw everything else saw just about it. I mean, y'all brought a couple points up and everything. But I saw problems with it. But again, I put it as a, com- a comedy. And that's what comedy can make mistakes. It can be funny. It doesn't matter if everything pulls together as long as the, the heart of the movie hits. And to me... The one-liners, I mean, these were not classic comedians. This wasn't Steve Martin. This wasn't Martin Short being able to make jokes constantly. This was teenagers who were hitting everything perfect the way they did. I think, I don't know if you can say anybody did a bad job acting in this. And so I think they did a really, really good job. I give this a nine. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think (laughs) this is a perfect movie when it comes to. If you didn't know, nine is the top of the scale here. Nine is our top. And so I give this a nine. And and it was funny because me and uh, my uh, wife were watching this. And so at the end, and I just smiled the whole time. When we watched Interspace again, I got bored. And uh, even though I think it's a good film, I was bored through it. I found myself sitting on the edge of my seat, just smiling again. I was laughing at the scenes. My wife had to shut me up because I kept quoting everything right before they would say it. Yeah. And so, and I usually don't do that much, but on this one, I know a lot of the lines. And so she's like, you got to shut up. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so at the end I said, that's a nine. And she goes, are you serious? And I go, what would you <laughs> give what it? what I'm about to say. And well, and I said, what would you give it? She goes, I give it a nine. And so both of us, we both thought, think wow. it's a great film. It, yeah. it, it, it holds it, you know, it holds it. And I guess there's, if maybe you some, like Columbus's like home alone yeah, and stuff like, like that, like the first Harry Potter, it has a real, yeah. and you see the kids working together and having to face danger and stuff, which you I, see in the Harry I Potter. I saw his, experience in this movie in home alone yeah you know well i think this is way better than home alone i'm not a huge home alone fan but i love i actually think i might agree with you i think this would probably be better than home alone I think Home Alone feels so cheesy on certain things, and that that really well. But, I don't know how. You well, tell this the felt cheesy to me too. But so, but I, I would give it a nine. I think it's a, a great film. With that, I feel like our our points are high enough. Chris gave it the lowest, and he still said you should see it. Yeah. Brody, I'm guessing you think. People, oh yeah, people, people should, should definitely see it. See it. Yeah. Yes. So, but I don't think it just applies to a teenager. I think it. And I will say, I mean, it is the greatest babysitter movie of all time. Okay, right. If you were, I mean, you might let. The word, like you said earlier, you know, babysitting throw you off right. from actually wanting to watch the movie, but you shouldn't. Definitely watch the censored. If you got the Disney Plus, it's best yeah. to see that and everything. I don't, it doesn't lose anything. Now, again, this it, is, yeah, you can watch it. This on is Disney another Plus. one of those kind of like the, the cloak and dagger and stuff. It's, it would have a higher rating for that age group. Yeah. You know, like I, like I said with cloak and dagger, I, I loved it when I was young. And now that I'm older, I'm like, well, I see some stuff that I've just, I've got too many issues with. But that's because we think as adults, we see the, the when you're young, you errors. just, you're yeah. in the story in your head. You're not, yeah, you're I not wish it wouldn't have detail. been, the, I wish it had been a better way than the, the Playboy magazine. I know that was, yeah, that was their thing. So, but anyway, that's, that's how we feel about that film, uh, 965. Um, 
we want to go ahead and tell you about our next film. So we're going to jump decades. We're going to go to a decade we have not hit yet, which is in the 40s, 90s. 90s. So oh, the thank 90s. God. I didn't so, know what was happening. We're, we're going to go in the 90s. Uh, we actually have our first request from a, uh, a listener. And so Scott has told us he would love us to review Soldier. And oh. so Soldier is a Kurt Russell movie, uh, 90, 90, I don't know, six, seven, eight, somewhere around oh, there. Oh, I like Kurt Russell. So Kurt Russell is in Soldier. And so we're going to see that. I have seen Soldier before. I don't think the guys have seen Soldier. Nope. The other two. I have not seen So that. they don't even know what it's about. And so that <laughs> it's should be. It's about a soldier, right? Yeah, it's about a soldier. <laughs> it's about Kurt Russell. Yeah. So the title gives so much away. So we'll, uh, we'll, we look forward to that one. That should be a little bit different and everything. I will say that one is, uh, this is going to be our first uh, R-rated movie. So Soldier is an R-rated movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's very very violent but just kind of a heads up on that and everything but if you want to watch it before and everything i would not say watch it with your kids but it's probably worth seeing no it is an r i did get permission <laughs> <laughs> so anyway we're, look we're glad you got to join us so hopefully you guys and look throw it into the responses check us on facebook or wherever else we're at and just uh get us responses also tell us what you want us to say yeah chris where all are we we're on facebook and we have a website if you want to send us a movie to watch it is therealroundtable.com slash watch this. Uh, this is for Chris, for Brody, I am Ash. Thank you for listening to The Real Round Table. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>